Listen to this. Lancet study on COVID vaccine autopsies finds 74% were caused by the vaccine that got published at the Lancet and they immediately removed it 24 hours later. Let me just break it down and then we'll come to you for your comment. A Lancet review of 325 autopsies after COVID vaccination found that 74% of the deaths were caused by the vaccine. But the study was removed within 24 hours. The paper preprint was waiting peer review. It was written by leading cardiologist, you, Dr. Peter McCullough, a Yale epidemiologist, Dr. Harvey Reich, and their colleagues at the Wellness Company and was published online on Wednesday on a preprint site on the prestigious medical journal. However, less than 24 hours later, the study was removed and a note appeared stating that this preprint has been removed by preprints with the Lancet because the study's conclusions are not supported by the study methodology. While the study had not undergone any part of the peer review process, the note implies that it fell foul of the screening criteria. The original study abstract can be found at the Internet Archive and it reads the rapid development and widespread deployment of COVID-19 vaccines combined with the high number of adverse event reports have led to concerns over possible mechanisms of injury, including systemic lipid nanoparticles, NLP, and mRNA distribution, spike protein-associated tissue damage, thrombogenicity, immune system dysfunction, and carcinogenicity. The, the aim of the systemic review is to investigate possible causal links between the COVID-19 vaccine administration and death using autopsies and post-mortem analysis. We, here's the method that you used. We searched for all published autopsy and necropsy reports relating to COVID-19 vaccinations up until May 18th of 2023. We initially identified 678 studies and after screening for our inclusion criteria, included 44 papers that contained 325 autopsy cases and one necropsy case. Three physicians independently reviewed all the deaths and determined whether COVID-19 vaccination was the direct cause or a contributed significantly to the death. Their findings, this is from the paper, their findings, the most implicated organ system in COVID-19 vaccine associated death was the cardiovascular system, 53%, followed by the hematological system, 17%, the respiratory system, 8%, and multiple organ systems, 7%. Three or more organ systems were affected in 21 cases. The mean time from vaccination to death was 14.3 days. Now, that's an interesting stat that we'll come to back in a second. But most deaths occurred within a week from the last vaccine administration. Mm. So they would consider those people that CDC and the FDA and the government would consider those people not vaccinated what? because they don't consider you vaccinated until at least two weeks after you had your second shot. So when those people died, they were counting them as unvaccinated deaths from COVID. Why? A total of 240 deaths, 73.9% were independently adjudicated as directly due to or significantly contributed to by the COVID-19 vaccination. And so the interpretation, the consistency seen among cases in this review with known COVID-19 vaccine adversary events, their mechanisms and related excess death, coupled with autopsy confirmation and physician-led death adjudication, suggests that there is a high likelihood of a causal link 
between COVID-19 vaccines and death of these people in most cases. Further urgent investigation is required for the purpose of clarifying our findings. Without further detail from the preprints with the Lancet staff who removed the paper, it is hard to know what substance the claim that the conclusions are not supported by the method. So again, they're not telling you why they took it down. And a number of the authors of the paper are at the top of their fields, so it is hard to imagine that the methodology of their review was really so poor that it warranted removal at initial screening rather than being subject to full critical appraisal. It smacks instead of raw censorship of a paper that failed to toe the official line. Keep in mind that the CDC has not yet acknowledged a single death being caused by COVID mRNA vaccines. Autopsy evidence demonstrating otherwise is clearly not what the United States Public Health Establishment wants to hear. You're willing to die for people who don't even damn like you. To me, that's absolutely insane. But that's just the kind of people that we are. And it wasn't until I heard something that Herrera said, our oath didn't expire. Right now, somewhere, there's a little kid sitting somewhere across this world, and he's got his grandpa's combat boots. And one day, he's going to be old enough to fit in them. And if we sit back and do nothing, if we do not lead by example, they're going to think that it's okay just to be quiet. I think for too damn long, good Americans, it doesn't matter if you're a combat vet to me. It doesn't matter if you didn't shed the same blood that I did. What matters the most to me is good people who believe in the flag. That was sitting over there that so many people died for. The one that was flying over ground zero, the sacrifice. And I'd be damned if whatever life I've got left, I'm going to sit there and be quiet about it. And if we do nothing, the bad boys are going to prevail. This world could be so much easier if they would just let it out. But somebody wants to make money off of it. Badass quotes from the legendary Marine Corps General James Mad Dog Mattis. Be polite, be professional, but have a plan to kill everybody you meet. The first time you blow someone away is not an insignificant event. That said, there are some assholes in the world that just need to be shot. I come in peace. I didn't bring artillery, but I'm pleading with you, with tears in my eyes. If you fuck with me, I'll kill you all. Find the enemy that wants to end this experiment in American democracy and kill every one of them until they're so sick of the killing that they leave us and our freedoms intact. There is only one retirement plan for terrorists. You cannot allow any of your people to avoid the brutal facts. If they start living in a dream world, it's going to be bad. This video coming out of Arizona will shock you. We are going to be invaded from the inside. America, wake up, patriots. Stand strong to protect your country and your family. Watch this. Oh, uh, it's closed down for American citizens going into the Mexico, and it's closed down for Mexican citizens coming into America. This is only being used for CBP-1 illegal entry into America. Now, that's salt in the wound. The real threat was what I saw yesterday, and I want to play some of this footage. I went back to Loopville, Arizona. 
And what I saw should shock every single American. I, I, as soon as I got there, there was a tent of 150 fighting age men, mostly from West Africa, Muslim uh, countries in Africa, the Middle East, and India. And what they told me uh, is that they, they actually, the, the new place that they're getting all of this, they, these people from right here, you can see right there on the screen, those tents, that was yesterday, and this is happening every single day. 150 of them. They said they had over 500 yesterday alone in that one location. 500. And what scared me, and I, I went up, the Border Patrol, you could tell, was so frustrated. They, uh, they, they wanted me to get in there and film it and show you close up. As soon as I did that, at the end of this video, I had a guy come out from, from National Park said, I couldn't be that close. I couldn't film this. I had to go across the street. And our own National Park, our National Monument down there, this is what's coming into America. But the scariest part, Border Patrol came up to me and he said, you need to know and you need to report this. We're getting huge numbers from Syria right now. And if we can show the picture, they sent me a picture of one of the guys from Syria. If we can show that picture of... So who gets an AK-47 tattooed on their forearms? Somebody who likes firearms. And that's someone illegal coming here. These are cell groups, sleeper cell groups that are going to wake up and attack Americans. I'm telling you. Bro, I'm uh, telling guy, you. This guy hey, just hey, came hey, across hey, our hey, southern hey, border. Ben, this is, this is ben, just, just one. Hang on. Hey, just hang on. Yeah, just hang on. Okay, cash. And who's bringing Syria's these people across. here? Hamas who's paying for it? Hezbollah's coming across. you got Benson reporting. The Chinese Communist Party, I, I've heard from intelligence sources, not totally confirmed, 100,000 fighting age men over the last year and a half, two years. 100,000 fighting age men can be here in sleeper cells waiting for someone to say, let's go. So you better be prepared. Stop playing around. Get your heart right with Jesus and get yeah. ready to protect your country and your Do family. Do the math, right? When you have two point plus million people coming in, 100,000 isn't that big of a number, right? Do the math. And when you have America's enemies combining together, Syria, the mullahs, as you said, KGB, the CCP, and other terrorist organizations, along with the Mexican drug cartels who are hosting them at the southern border, of course they're coming in because they are reaching one common goal, destruction of the United States of America. If you're a patriot, click follow and share this video and comment below what you think. God bless you. Pray for this. What makes us human will not be there anymore within us. If there is going to be this COVID-21, I think they're going to probably make it more virulent and maybe more damaging and, and release that. There is a real danger, but it's not coming from where you think it is. And people need to be aware of that and be willing and ready to do whatever is necessary in order to allow the human species to continue on this planet. Because if we don't, if we allow this agenda to go through, my belief is that the human species has a very limited time left on this planet. Two, three generations at best sterility first generation a lot of people are going to suffer from the vaccines and people are going to die we talk about a vaccine that's going to alter our genomic sequencing okay it's going to change our dna because this is going to be the first retrovirus rna vaccine ever developed remember rna's function is to rewrite and repair dna so when you introduce this into the body it's going to be like a domino effect it starts a process and continues that process and where it ends up nobody knows but the bottom line is whatever it starts, it's going to be altering what makes us human. So it is truly, literally going to impact the future of the human species. I'm optimistic about the human spirit. I cannot see this being the end of the human race. I cannot see 7.7 .7 billion people allowing the...
the integration of any foreign gene into your chromosome can cause cancer immediately, can cause all sorts of inflammation, and moreover, will cause this gene to be transmitted to your offspring. You will be genetically transformed forever. This is not a hate speech. This is a speech to make everyone wake up and see the dangers that they are facing because the WHO and the CDC and the FDA and all these guys up there are planning to introduce RNA vaccines worldwide, everywhere. And the first have already been introduced. And they are causing the same damage that all the others are going to cause because a foreign gene is entering your body and because the production of this mRNA will never, never guarantee that plasmids, these foreign genes derived from bacteria, stolen from bacteria, enter the human cells. And what this means is that all humans who are injected with these bacterial plasmids or genes are genetically altered. And every cell that is genetically altered is doomed. Well, friends, what have we learned so far in the, these early stages of the Hamas-Israel uh, conflict going on right now? Uh, other than the very fact that every home ought to have a shotgun to be able to blast these flying cockroaches out of the sky. I was certainly not expecting that. What a new twist they brought to this one. But what else did we learn? I'll tell you what I've learned so far. I've learned that living in a country, a state, a municipality, whichever that has really strict gun laws opens you up to being hunted down like dogs in the street. Because when you don't have a Second Amendment right to possess, utilize firearms, you are essentially a sitting duck. Much to a lot of people's surprise, and mine as well, Israel has extremely strict gun laws. You must have a license to possess and carry guns with a, quote, good cause requirement. Sounds like New York. You have to have a license to buy and sell guns. You have to register your guns. If your permit to carry a gun expires, you have to give up your guns to the federal government over in Israel. There's mandatory reporting of lost or stolen guns, mandatory reporting of lost or stolen licenses. You have a mental and physical health requirement, including a mental illness determination by Ministry of Health. There are training requirements, and of course there's background checks. And oddly enough, because I guess they can predict how many people you're going to need to defend yourself against, there is an annual quota of 50 rounds of ammunition. What that means, folks, is you are only allowed to purchase and possess 50 rounds of ammo a year. That's right. They can predict how many times you will need to fire your weapon so you get 50 rounds a year. Now, a lot of people misunderstand. They see these pictures of these pretty Israeli girls with AR-15 slung over their back and think, well, I thought everybody had to have guns. Everybody over there has to serve in their military, the reserves and whatnot. I think they just called up 300 and some thousand of those. 
All of those people who are serving, it's mandatory that they carry, right? Because they are the acting military in this very small area over there in Israel. But outside of that, if you're not in the military, you do not. You, you are at the mercy of all of these very strict gun laws over there. And what happened? Hundreds of people were gunned down, not only in the streets, but in their homes, dragged out of their cars, shot cold dead. Women, children, two-year-olds were dragged out of their cars and taken back as hostages, being raped, no doubt. You know how these animals operate. So a lot is going on over there. And a lot of this could have been prevented if people didn't have such heavy and hard restrictions in order to purchase and own firearms in their own home to protect themselves. But now, the federal government over there sees, at least temporarily, the error of they, their ways. They realize that while all these people were restricted before, now they need these people to help protect their country. The federal government over there needs these people because the federal government failed. The federal government failed in many, many ways over there. And these people were able to breach the borders. They have borders, at least. We don't. But they were able to breach these borders and murder and kill and rape and kidnap a lot of these people. And the federal government failed at this. The federal government was not able to stop this. So now the federal government is trying to rely on the people now because they don't, believe me, they don't think they were wrong before. They just think, let's temporarily arm these people, just like Ukraine did. Ukraine did the exact same thing. Ukraine had very strict regulations regarding firearms over there. War happened. Oh, let's let everybody have an AR-15, fully automatic AR-15. Let them have them. They see the error of their ways whenever they want to control the people. But whenever they're at the risk of losing their control as a federal entity, now they want the people to do their fighting for them. You see where this all goes to? It goes right back to a tyrannical government. As long as the government can control you and keep guns out of your hands, and you're stupid enough to let them do that, they're going to take full advantage of that. But the federal government knows that they can't protect their citizens on their own. They need the citizens' help. And when it comes time for the federal government to get overrun by opposition outside of their borders, now they're willing to let the people have guns. Permission to have guns. Well, guess what? Israel decided, let's let our little old people have some guns. Israel's Minister for National Security announced that the government will, in fact, make it easier for Israelis to buy and carry firearms. They go on to explain some of the relaxed standards that they're going to allow. Number one, still seems like a big hill to climb in spite of the, the fact that these people in the middle of a war any citizen who meets the detailed tests for carrying a private firearm due to self-defense and serving the security forces and is without a criminal or medical record will be required to undergo a telephone interview instead of a physical interview and will be able to receive permission to carry a firearm within a week. So they're going to take a week to decide if they can give you permission while they are at war and begging for people to help them defend the people that they're wanting to give permission or may give permission to have guns now. Number two, any citizen who received a conditional permit to purchase a firearm and did not purchase a firearm during the year 2023 and the conditional license has expired, they now will be able to purchase a firearm now without the need to submit another application. 
they mentioned that this will affect about 4,000 people. 4,000 people who chose not to get a firearm, even though they went through the whole permit purchasing process. Seems kind of stupid to me, but whatever. Any citizen who deposited his weapon in the last six months due to failure to perform refresher training or renewal training will be able to receive his weapon back. This will affect 1,800 citizens. And fourth, in addition, starting next Tuesday, they got to wait a week while they're at war, conditional permits to carry firearms will be issued with a permit allowing the purchase of up to, get this, 100 bullets instead of 50. So while nobody expected or thought that this attack would happen or this provocation or whatever you want to call it, in the past, you could have 50 bullets a year. Now you get 100 because we're at war. <laughs> You'll only need 100. They're talking about, what, the 4,000 plus the 1,800, 5,800 new people that they think will get guns right away, and maybe they're going to need to fire an additional 50 rounds apiece. This is stupidity. This is trying to maintain control while you're begging for their help. How crazy is this? They're going so far as to almost ask these people and beg them, please go get guns, but they still want you to know that you are controlled by them and that they're still going to put requirements on you. You know, folks, I go back to our borders being wide open. This kind of stuff is already here. These, call them what you want, sleeper cells, cells of people, groups of people, factions of people. I'm not talking about any particular, I'm not, I don't mean just Muslim extremists, although they are definitely here. I'm talking about a number of different types of factions that hate America. They say, we have Americans that hate America. Those people are here. Those people are in our backyards. All of these people out there who hate guns and hate gun owners, let me send a message to you. And I know not many of you watch my videos, but some of you do. And I mean this. I'm not saying this facetiously. I want you to understand what I'm saying. Now would be a really good time to be nice to your gun neighbors. Your friends down the street that have guns that you despise and you hate and you can't stand to see them loading up their guns to go to the range to train. Those friends of yours that you know have a gun over their fireplace. Those friends that you know who carry a gun on a daily basis to protect themselves and their families. Now would be a really good time to be nice to them. I'm not asking you to buy them gifts. I'm not asking you to bring a homemade baked cake to their house. I'm talking about a tip of the hat or a nice little friendly wave when you pass their house now. Would be a really good time. Those elements are here. And you've been hating on these people that have been doing what they needed to do to protect themselves and their families. You're going to be begging those people. You will be the first person beating on their door with bloody knuckles begging for help when this stuff reaches your backyard. If you don't want to defend yourself and your own family, now would be the time to at least be a little bit more tolerant of those people who are willing to take that responsibility on themselves. God save the queen, man. I'm sorry, I thought this was America.
With everything that's happening right now, this story has slipped quietly under the radar. In fact, only three sources reported on this in the last 24 hours. But in terms of the debate over mass migration, this is one of the most stunning concessions you've heard in recent times. One of the most influential men in world politics over the course of the last half a century, admitting that multiculturalism and mass migration has utterly failed. Listen carefully because the importance of what he said cannot be overstated. What's a grave mistake to let in so many people of totally different cultural and religious and concepts because it creates a pressure group inside each country that does that. Again, that's Henry Kissinger, who, whatever you think of him, can't be denied that he's a titan of global politics. Admitting, in the words of this Politico headline, that Germany let in too many foreigners, and that the events of the past week have basically proven that, no, diversity isn't our strength. It's a fundamental weakness. What prompted Kissinger to come to this conclusion? Scenes of Arabs on the streets of Berlin celebrating the Hamas terrorist attacks. Scenes that he called painful. <laughs> They were even handing out snacks to passers-by to mark the supposedly joyous occasion. It really was a carnival atmosphere. <laughs> AFD posted footage of the outrage warning that the police have now given up enforcing the law in some areas and that a violent uprising is now inevitable. And is it any wonder, fresh off a stellar success in the state elections, that they're now the second biggest party in Germany. The anti-mass migration party is now polling at 22.5%, less than five points behind the Christian Democrats. Remember after Germany took in over a million migrants and Merkel said, we can do this. Yeah, seems the German people living amongst the consequences of that policy have come to a very different conclusion. And we've seen before, most notably after the Notre Dame fire, how the media has desperately tried to cover up similar scenes of celebration amongst diverse communities. When live streams on Arabic channels of the burning cathedral betrayed sentiments of wild jubilation. A reality subsequently buried as a conspiracy theory by the legacy media. Now in the aftermath of the Hamas attack, such scenes have become ubiquitous across the streets of European cities. The truth can no longer be obscured. We've imported vast numbers of people who hate us, who see us as colonisers, and who will literally erupt in brazen euphoria in response to mass casualty terror attacks against innocent civilians. <laughs> We're seeing reports of anti-Israel protesters shouting gas the Jews outside the Sydney Opera House. 37 news outlets have covered this story, but the vast majority of them are right-wing publications, leaving the left in the dark about these kind of events. The Israel-Palestine conflict is one of the most highly politicised issues in modern history, and Ground News is the only platform I trust to give me the full story. In fact, they have a complete timeline of recent events broken down by political bias, so you can see exactly 
exactly what's being covered by either side. If you compare the left and right, it paints a completely different picture of what's going on. These are the times that I'm genuinely relieved that something like ground news exists to immediately expose how politics impacts the way the news is reported. Check it out at ground.news/pjw. It's about $5 a month for unlimited access if you subscribe via my link or try their pro plan for just $1. To me it's a no-brainer if you actually care about staying informed and sorting through the BS. Now back to the video. Now despite this form of vacuous virtue signaling becoming a banal staple of post-cataclysmic response, the Israeli flag won't be projected onto Wembley Stadium because according to the BBC it might cause a backlash from some communities. Perhaps they feared a repeat of what just happened in Sheffield. <laughs> Having already seen over the weekend what happened on the streets of London. Perhaps they want to avoid what happened in Vienna last night. What does it say about how successful the integration of these migrants and communities has been? That they're too frightened to project some colours onto a building. To honour innocent people brutally slaughtered at a music festival, families killed in their own homes. In case our diverse friends get offended and lash out in violence. England footballers still to this day are taking a knee to BLM. And will continue to do so even after several BLM chapters expressed explicit support for Hamas terrorists. How do we in the West respond to Islamic terrorists killing our citizens and children in comparison to how Israel responds. If, if tens of thousands of people were slaughtered in Britain by a group of terrorists, I, I doubt that there'd be a lot of British citizens who are sitting around worrying about proportionality or worrying about the geopolitical consequences of protecting their own citizenry. You're kidding, right? After an Islamic terrorist blew up kids at an Ariana Grande pop concert, one who we imported into the country as a refugee, in case you forgot, a pro-Palestine activist taboo, what was our response? There was no righteous response. We were told to hold hands, paint pictures of bees, and sing Don't Look Back in Anger. Israel's response is to take a territory in which over two million people live in close proximity and carpet bomb it into oblivion. Something I vehemently oppose, by the way. But compare that to our response, which was to bury our heads in the sand, clutch our pearls, and act concerned about Islamophobic comments on social media. When ISIS terrorists invaded Paris and slaughtered hundreds, including at the Bataclan concert venue, having exploited the refugee wave to get into the country in the first place, anyone who even dared make the connection to open borders was shouted down as a dangerous bigot. Why is Israel's massively, in the their own words, disproportionate response to Islamic terrorism. Designed, again, in their own words, around the goal of maximum damage, not maximum accuracy. Legitimised, supported, morally justified by every tentacle of the Western establishment. Endorsed by every single mainstream politician. Backed by the might of the US military. Yet when Western countries are the target of Islamic terrorism, accompanied by the relentless demographic overhaul of our countries, facilitated by mass migration. Any other response 
besides glib, meaningless demands to be nice and celebrate diversity as our strength, any call to actually do something about it is routinely treated as a bigger danger than the problem itself. Get early access to videos, exclusive live streams, and personally DM me. You've seen how much I get demonetized all the time. Well, this is how you support me. By subscribing at pauljosephwatson.locals.com. Please click the link in the description. Something that hasn't gotten a lot of attention, that should have, uh, is what's happening in Armenia. And... Um, uh, all I can think of is Kirkaka, uh, uh, Kirkrapistan, but it's uh, Azerbaijan. Thank you, Stu. Um, in Azerbaijan, there is a liquidation going on, a genocide going on, again, of the Armenian people. The Armenian people are the first, that's the first Christian nation on earth. And it is the, it is the Armenian genocide uh, around World War One, that actually taught Hitler, I can go just erase a whole bunch of people and the world won't say anything about it. You know, when they say that history repeats itself, some will say, no, it doesn't. Well, maybe it rhymes. Uh, this is history repeating itself. Currently, uh, under the gun, the liquidation of Christians, Armenian Christians, and Jews... Ambassador uh, Brownback is with us now, Sam Brownback. He's the uh, National Committee for the Religious Freedom. He's chairman of that. He's also an ambassador at large and former Kansas governor and good friend of the program. Sam, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing well, Glenn, and uh, thank you for addressing this topic. It's just getting precious little play, and more people need to know about it. We have been following it uh, uh, from really the beginning we've been doing it quietly because there's not a lot of people that know about it and it's getting no play and uh it it needs to be understood so you were just there can you can you tell us what's happening yes you've got turkey basically behind azerbaijan and it's best to think of azerbaijan like belarus is to russia turkey's the puppet master here and they are pushing and allowing and uh, giving military armament to Azerbaijan, as we have. Uh, and they're, they're pushing to have this done while the Biden administration is looking another way or is being feckless in our response. That's basically what's happened is they have long-term wanted Armenia and these Christian enclaves out of there. It's a bone in their throat. Erdogan, the head of Turkey, is an Islamist. He wants to take over the world, certainly this region, and he's doing this while the United States is distracted. We have 100,000 um, refugees now from uh, this region in Azerbaijan. It is a, it's, right, it's almost like a, a, a Native American reservation here in America. It's right smack in the middle, uh, surrounded by Azerbaijan, but it's Armenian. And then there's this corridor that connects to Armenia, and they have been starving these people out. They've been cutting off uh, everything. About 100,000 have escaped. How many more are, are there? Probably 20,000. 
uh, that are still there. But here again, Glenn, and this is the big point to me, is this is yet another ancient Christian population being driven out of this Middle East kind of extended region. Uh, And what will happen, they'll go to Armenia, they'll be absorbed into Europe, into the United States, Australia, Canada. Uh, But it'll be another one gone. And we just kind of, we've had tools to sanction Azerbaijan, to sanction Turkey, to press and put some real teeth out there. We can stop arming Azerbaijan. And we've not used any of these tools that are readily available to the administration. How connected is this to what's happening in Israel? Well, I've argued that Armenia is to Christendom what Israel is to uh, Judaism. It's kind of the first. Now, Israel is the only Jewish nation, but Armenia is the first, and you've got Muslim populations surrounding both trying to kick them out. Uh, And this is a play you, you see often in the Middle East, where there's just not tolerance uh, for Christians or Jews. And, and that's why I've been pushing so much for religious freedom for everybody everywhere. And this is the standard by which governments and nations should stand by. And we're certainly not seeing it taking place in either of these situations. Talking to Ambassador Sam Brombach, um, Sam, the, the administration Yes, you know, you say is asleep at the switch, but uh, I have a hard time believing that all of these things. I mean, if you see what is how much money this administration has been sending Iran without us really even knowing it, uh, um, they're on the wrong side of of things. But it, it, would you say that this is the way the world looks if we don't turn America around? Yes. Look, look what you've got. You've got a, an axis of evil or evil axis, malign axis, whatever you want to call it, between Iran, Russia and China. And they're out to take over the world. Uh, and they've been losing ground. But now they're out there pushing to gain background. So Russia goes after Ukraine. Iran is behind uh, Hamas and Hezbollah and pushing on Israel. Turkey, a regional player is saying, let's go get uh, these Armenians, which we've wanted to do for a thousand years. Let's do it now while we have an administration in Washington that won't, uh, won't fight back, won't use the tools that's available. And I have no idea, honestly, Glenn, why the uh, Biden administration isn't doing more in these situations. They have the tools. We have the ability to do this. And we're simply not acting here. What do you suggest, Sam? What can we do? What can people do? Well, I, they can push Congress, uh, and I, I hope people will even will write the administration. They, they, but they can Congress can step up and do and and put this a lot more out there on the uh, on the map would be something that people could help uh, could help out with because we've got to sanction Azerbaijan and we've got to sanction Turkey and. Right now, we've got to really go after Iran. They're the puppet master on Hamas and Hezbollah. The, Hamas and Hezbollah do not act without Iran. And we've been sending money to Iran instead of sanctioning Iran, as you pointed out. This has to stop, and people need to yell about it and call into radio programs and, and put it out on their social media 
Iran and this axis of evil and Turkey as a regional player just seeking to take over the world while we're not acting at all. Sam, I appreciate everything that you guys are are doing. Can you tell me a little bit about the 120,000 Reasons Coalition? It's a group of of Christians and Jews uh, primarily that are trying to stand up for this ancient Christian population and saying they need to be able to live in their native homeland that's been native to them for thousands of years and not being driven out. And that's what this coalition is standing up and pushing and and it's one of the coalitions that's trying to get some publicity, some knowledge of people out there about this ancient Christian population of Armenians that are primarily Orthodox Christians, uh, but love their faith, love God, and are being driven out and in a second genocide. Senator Brownback, thank you so much. Or uh, sorry, Ambassador Brownback, thank you so much for being on with us. Appreciate all thank you, you do. You bet. 120,000reasons.org, 120,000reasons.org. This is something that everybody should check out, um, and you should share it with your church. We have got to do more. There's, you know, Stu said to me about 15 minutes ago, there's not a lot of good. I'm not seeing a lot of light in the world. I am, and let me tell you about it. As I said to uh, Sam, and I don't even know if he knows this, but uh, the Nazarene Fund is on the ground in Armenia and Azerbaijan. We have been doing this uh, quietly because there's, I mean, you're, you're so focused on other things, but we know what's going on and it is time now to pay attention because it is with what happened in Iran, this is going to run all across the world. So we are on the ground right now helping with temporary housing and life-sustaining food and medicine. We are looking to move those who are in danger away from the border and the dangerous areas. There's 100,000 refugees right now in Armenia, and the immediate concern is just securing warm shelter before the winter arrives. It's unforgiving in Armenia. We deployed in our media, began, um, began our work there. Par- uh, preliminary results suggest 300 to 400 Armenians are unaccounted for. Some have chosen to remain in their home enclave, while others have feared being injured or killed or facing imminent danger from Azerbaijani forces. Some of the casualties are a result of large explosions at a crowded gas station, which left dozens of dead people and unaccounted. We are in contact with 15 to 20 families whose loved ones, predominantly men, are missing. Our team has already located, recovered, and removed the remains of a father and his son who were across the border providing some closure for their families. Also, residents of border towns, many of whom have family members considered as war heroes, are currently under threat. We are committed to their protection. Our team has also begun extending financial assistance for rent and medical care and food to numerous families. There is grave concerns that this is going to get much, much worse. These are Christians that just want to be left alone. They are the oldest Christian nation, and they are being liquidated. 